All right, Coffee and Theology Wednesday, April 20th. <laughs> four, uh-oh, okay, so it is four, 420. Yeah, no wonder that was in the in the ether there. Uh, 420, um, 22. And we have resurrection on the on the brain because we have just come through an Easter, an Easter service. We have celebrated the risen Lord. And so today I have a feeling we're going to be in this space of the in-between, the road to Emmaus, the breakfast on the sea, the guys fishing in the sea, Jesus preparing breakfast for them. We see a disciple fishing naked on the boat. Uh, he had taken off his robe and was fishing naked. Interesting thing about that little story real quick is just that he puts his robe on to jump into the water and go to Jesus. What the heck? What's that all about? Why Why do we all of a sudden see the church having to put on airs? <laughs> you know, um, interesting to come to the Lord. So I'm in that space because that's where we kind of are in the lectionary of this, this post-resurrection Jesus. And I have a little reading for us um, that I sometimes go to from Richard Rohr. Theologian and Episcopal priest Kelly Brown Douglas compares the risen Jesus's instructions to his disciples to meet him in Galilee and our own encounter with the risen Christ when we stand against injustice. In asking his disciples to, to meet him in Galilee, Jesus was indeed calling them to imagine something different for the world. Jesus was asking them to imagine a world where life, not death, is centered. The resurrected Jesus resurrected his disciples by inviting them away from the despair of death that was the cross into the hope of new life that was the resurrection. A community that had given up on the possibilities for life, that had lost faith in the gospel that Jesus preached, was called back into life-giving ministry. This is what the invitation to Galilee was all about. When I remembered this Galilean invitation, as I stood in my own existential despair of crucifying black deaths, it was as if I was being invited to Galilee to meet the resurrected Jesus. Douglas participated in a protest in support of black lives and was filled with unexpected joy and what she calls resurrecting hope. As I stood there, she says, in what seemed like a sea of people, my spontaneous laughter was nothing less than a signal of transcendence, pointing me to the resurrecting hope that had disrupted the seeming futility of crucifying Black death. Standing in that small space of Black Lives Matter Plaza in front of the White House was the most motley and diverse crew of God's sacred creation that I had seen come together in protest. They reflected an otherwise way of being in the world. They were black, white, brown, Asian, non-Asian, Latinx, non-Latinx, queer, non-queer, trans, and non-trans, bigendered and non-bigendered. They were also young and old and everything in between. People were there advocating, each in their own way, 
for a world that looked more like God's just future, a future where all people were living in the peace that was justice. They were embodying that very future. Teacher Brian McLaren envisions much the same in a world saturated by the risen Christ's presence. Resurrection has begun. We are part of something rare, something precious, something utterly revolutionary. It feels like an uprising, an uprising of hope, not hate, an uprising armed with love, not weapons, an uprising that shouts a joyful promise of life and peace, not angry threats of hostility and death. It's an uprising of outstretched hands, not clenched fists. It's the someday we have always dreamed of, emerging in the present rising up among us and within us. It's so different from what we expected. So much better. This is what it means to be alive, truly alive. This is what it means to be in route, walking the road to a new and better day. Let's tell the others the Lord is risen. I like the way that that sounded. I like the way the diversity had come together. I liked that it sounded kind of like our own church of the diversity that we are are newly beginning to see, that this diversity that I have ached for in a space uh, for years that I began to, to see on Easter. And so walk with me. We are risen. We are resurrected. And how does that, what does that mean? How does that translate into your life today. For those wondering if we're having technical difficulties, we are not. We are just simply allowing space. <laughs> Crickets. <laughs> that question probably takes a little bit of thought i'm i'm getting there i think i have these um i think we have a life death life cycle more often than we imagine and it, more often than we even want to talk about. And what we were saying on Sunday at church was that if this story is some faraway story that is separate than us and we don't see ourselves within it, then it just becomes blasé. But if we can see ourselves within it and we can see ourselves on all the sides of it, then how might that inform our daily life? And for me, I, I found myself saying more of the cliche things on Sunday, like Christ the Lord is risen. I wanted to see how it sounded in my mouth. I wanted to see how it sounded. You know, how do I connect with it in my heart? When I say Christ the Lord is risen, what does that mean for me? Not just once a year when I announce it to our assembly, but what, what does it mean for me today? And how in my miniature deaths the many, many miniature deaths that I experience on a daily basis, the times that I resign mentally, the times that I wish things were different and wish things would die or live. How is the resurrected Christ within me, living as me, 
How is that hope? How does that bring hope and inform our daily business encounters, our careers, our the microaggressions that we experience? I think I'm still figuring that out for myself. But one of the things that stuck out to me on Sunday was when you said to me, when I greeted you that morning and you said, he's risen, that still stands. <laughs> and you don't, you don't get to let go of that piece or you don't get to deconstruct that. Or, you know, it was something along those lines that you said. And it, it kind of set with me all day. What does that still mean for me now? with all of the changes in my life, has that changed? Has God changed? Or have I changed and the people around me have changed, but God remains the same? Mm. I love that. I love that there's still something that we fix our hope to because death is not the end of the story. Death is never the end of the story. Yeah. I don't know that I truly answered your full question. That was just kind of what's on my heart related to um, the resurrection. Yeah, I love that. And I love this idea of transmuting. I love this idea that death is not the end. And we have a culture in which we're just beginning to emerge to talk about real topics like death and grief as like a physical death. When someone dies, we are pretty clumsy as a culture and how to deal with that and how to talk about it. But we're becoming, we're getting better with as many, as much as we're being informed and, and coming and getting practice at facing things that are dying or that have died. Um, but this idea that it changes, that life changes like that, that, that physical body that Jesus was, was walking in on that road to Emmaus story, for example, that, when his disciples that he had been so closely acquainted with were walking and he comes up alongside them and they don't recognize him. They don't recognize that new body, that new uh, life. It was trans, it was muted. It was transmuted. It was different. It changed. And, you know, whether that story is there as we all, as we have all learned and come to know that the scripture is there as a parable, the scripture is there to teach us something, a higher truth. Um, so whether that's that actually happened or not is beside the point. <laughs> that's a parable. <laughs> it's it, it's pointing to something deeper. It's pointing to something that we can't see. It's a higher a higher truth. I hope that things can change. I hope that life can change. I think it lifts me personally, and I'm giving a lot of space for you guys to jump in with me out here and just kind of ramble with me. Um, I think it gives me this this hope that the things that I see, like Paul said, are temporary, but the things that we can't see are eternal. And the things that we see are are subject to change, that we don't have to be fixated on the hopelessness of it all of the hopelessness of the way in which the world is despairing. So 
I was thinking about what she was saying in church on Sunday. Um, because whenever I first came in, I saw that you were wearing your hot air balloon shirt. And my first thought was, oh, she's wearing our rising shirt. Because remember the first time I seen you wear that shirt was the year we had the year of our rising and we did the whole thing. And, and so it's the first, and I've always associated that shirt with like kind of rising up. So that's where my, my thoughts started going at the beginning of service. And then I was like, okay, so that's kind of appropriate, you know, cause he's risen and you have a shirt that represents rising up, you know, wearing that day. And, but then my, my thoughts were, went to, well, he's risen. That's why we're here. Um, and then I started thinking about what that means for me for me it's like second chances i don't i don't have to be the same person that that i thought myself to be i can be the new person in christ because christ within me is the one that elevates me and helps me to achieve what what i want to do if, if that makes any sense so and yeah. so I kind of started thinking it along that way of how is Abba elevating me? Like, how has he risen in me or she? I mean, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's, the, that's the question. That's the pondering. That's the, the contemplation is how, how does this become real for me and how do I insert myself in the story? Yeah. And I wore that shirt on purpose. I, I will tell you about that shirt, I, Tammy. I had a different outfit on and my wife wouldn't let me go out of the house. She's like, you're not wearing your Easter shirt. Like you've got to <laughs> put your Easter shirt on. Like you can't just wear some random shirt. You've got to wear the Christ is risen balloon shirt. So I, had to go back. I was already dressed and ready to go and I had to go back and put it on. So I'm glad that, that it was it was meaningful is that full forever i hope i don't uh i hope my body doesn't change too much over the years because we'll have to just keep wearing that shirt for forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, years from now it has a few patches and stuff. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Made, your shirt made me think of how we are always rising you know the church is always rising the church is mm -hmm. the church meaning house church we're, we as a church are resurrecting as well. I mean, we are constantly being resurrected and changed and renewed and, and it happens individually with us. And then it happens to us collectively. And um, it's beautiful. I mean, I think that the year of our rising is, is, is never changes that never stops. It happens consistently all the time. Yeah. I love that. Go ahead. Eve. Um, yeah. Hi. Uh, I've just, I've been mulling this over quite a bit. I've been kind of running around doing stuff. So, um, well, first of all, just, um, thinking about a resurrection and how that still means something to us. I realized that back when I was growing up, even though that was supposedly the focus of our entire existence, it really didn't mean anything to me. And I don't think it actually really meant anything to the community I was in. And it was really confusing and um, contradictory because everything was all about 
how we have to do everything to save mostly our kids. Um, that was a, a huge focus, but it's like, well, yeah, Jesus saved us, but our kids won't be saved unless we do. So the resurrection of Jesus, it was really a, actually a kind of boring story to me and it really didn't mean anything. Um, and I, it only started to mean something to me after I came out when I really started to explore, like this is, this has got to have some meat to it. And I, I really started to think about, um, you know, we were told so many times, you know, to, we need to take on the character of Christ. We need to take on the character of God. That's what this is all about. And, um, but it was really confusing because it was uh, another contradiction. It's like, we're supposed to take on the character of God, but we will always be under God as a kind of slave minion thing. It's like, so how, how does this work? How can you take on the character of God? But we will always be looking up to God as someone who is so much huger, bigger, more capable, more... Um, just he has the whole world in his hands and we're just poor and pathetic and can't do anything, but we're really supposed to do everything anyway. It was just very, very confusing. So for me, the resurrection story is all about us entering into that, um, the real character of Christ so that we can enter into that place where we can literally say all the same things that Jesus did. I mean, we can say, um, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. We We can be the ones who... All, all the things that we, we've we have this artificial separation, I think, when we read the Bible of, oh, these are things that I want to say that Jesus said, because that's his character. But these other things are for God alone. And I don't believe that's true. I think the resurrection brings us into the place where we are functioning in that place because God brought us together with Jesus. So it's a it's a whole and complete transformation of bringing us into that place. So if that makes any sense. <laughs> Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's exactly, I think what we, we could just like, we say it over and over and over again, and it takes beautiful brains and minds like that to be able to come in with a different perspective and say it, you know, say it just a little bit differently because we're saying, put ourselves in the story. How are you finding yourself in this story where I have been made a new creation in Christ Jesus. We have been made a new people. We have been made into a new a new humanity. And I think there's layers to that, Eve, like like you're talking about. And I, I will join with you in saying Easter was my least favorite church day growing up. It was my my least favorite one because it was it meant in my tradition, it meant that all the people that don't usually come to church come to church. And so we had to play nice. We had to play nice church that day. And we couldn't do like spirit led church like I, we were used to where the spirit could just move and take over and people be all laid out on the floor crying and laughing and doing their thing and having a big old spirit fest. Um, because when the, all the visitors came to church, we had to be normal, <laughs> be, be normal, be ordinary. And it was <laughs> my favorite. <laughs> I don't know. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm nodding, you, but I realize you can't see me. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So I, I think that um, I, I've, I've come to 
I love the Easter day. Go ahead, Tammy. Oh, I was just commenting on your comment that I used to purposely miss church on Easter and Christmas because I would go all year long and I didn't want to have to deal with the people that didn't want to go all year long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I would purposely not go on those days when I was younger. Right. Yeah. I think Norma was going to say something too. I'm always going to say something. Can you believe that? I think we were raised in the gospel that come and become sons, but end up as servants. Because they who preached the gospel didn't know what a son was, what a wheels was. It reminds me of Bob's comments that would call to be uh, rain, for lack of a better word, rain over this earth, but we didn't know who, who we were. We started to be in him, but then somehow we ended up being by ourselves. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely it does. That makes a lot of beautiful sense. He's bringing us into the place where we always belonged with him, always belonged in God, and, and showing us a physical demonstration of how that happens. And, you know, I was saying this multiple deaths and multiple resurrections. Go ahead. Someone was going to say something. This, the, the, this happens to us over a macro level because I, I believe that all of humanity has been made into a new creation, yes. Like we are running in a new era and a new day. But then on an individual, you know, even if you want to break it down, these categories from the macro, this largest picture to then the semi-larger and, and, and smaller and smaller down to the community level and then the group level and then the individual level, because as an infant, we do have these stages of growth that we go through as, as a physical body grows from being an infant to a baby, to a toddler, to a little child, to these stages of growth that we go and develop into. So it would be no different for us developing that way spiritually and letting the eyes of our understanding be enlightened over a period of time to acquiesce to these new levels of understanding of how we belong and how we belong in Christ. I wanted to bless you guys with an image that someone saw a vision um, at church on Sunday. And I want to share that with you guys since we're kind of um, reminiscent of Sunday right now and, and kind of how we felt in that space and what was spoken and what, what it meant to us. Um, there was a, there's a precious uh, woman, uh, Shara Swally's mom, Linda, that had been in ministry with her husband, who is now deceased. He's, he died maybe three years ago, but they served as pastors over a little church for 40 years. And he, that she's no longer actively in, in ministry that way, of course, and she's relocated from uh, the West Coast over to here. And she connected with us a few months ago and has really plugged in with us and has been such a beautiful prayer support for me and just a sweet, just a sweet, sweet woman, just seasoned in the word and seasoned in life and spirit, understands um, the church life. And uh, she was sitting there afterward and she had hurt her leg. So her leg was propped up on a chair and she asked me to come over. She said, come over here. I want to I tell you what I saw. 
because the way that God works with her is gives her pictures, lets her see with pictures. And remember the song that was kind of the basic refrain of the day was the blessing, the blessing song. May his favor be upon you and a thousand generations from your family, your family and your children and your children and their children. That was the constant refrain. And with our group there gathered with all of our children and our children's children and and the ones that are yet to come, some of our children who have, who have not yet, you know, had their own children. Um, it was just such a, a song that was moving people in, in different ways. And that word favor, she said, as, as the band was singing and the people were singing, she saw in the spirit a mist, like a, a mist that came in from the sides and began to cover every person that was in that house that day. Just this beautiful mist of, and she said it was like a favor mist that came in and just settled on everybody. And it covered all their bodies, each individual, but it blanketed us. The favor just blanketed over every one of us. And she said it was like she saw a fast forward type of a, of a scene where then as everybody left and they were encountered different uh, experiences, negative experiences, it was like it couldn't penetrate that favor mist that had fallen and, and just blanketed everybody in that space. I've really sat with that all week. It's just kind of been in the back of my mind that there's this protection that whether that happened that day or that happens in Christ, that happens before we're even aware of it, but being aware of it and understanding the favor that we really do walk in and the protection that we really have in salvation in Christ Jesus. And um, that, that mist uh, was just a palpable kind of a, a feeling. I know that I felt a presence there that was just so, that was so rich and I'll get, I'm coming to you, Hank. And that presence actually broke open on me in the bathroom while I was getting ready that morning. So much so that I, I was crying so much because often when God is touching me in a good way, I cry. And I was just, just crying and crying and I couldn't get my face dry long enough to put my makeup on because it, the, the tears were just coming and the presence of God was just pouring over me. And I just felt so held by God. And then for her to see that mist over everybody, I thought that would bless you to hear it. Go ahead, Hank. Thank you for that. I'm going to, I'm going to try to explain this in some sort of coherent way. I don't, I don't know if it'll come out that way. Um, but I, I'm trying to answer that original question of, you know the risen the risen Christ in me. What it what does that mean? And I think I I kind of uh, bottom lined it that uh, the risen Christ for me takes away fear. Um, and I'm reminded of if there's any disciple that is like me, it's Thomas. 
you know, doubting Thomas, that's, that's who I am. You know, I'm the dude that says, all right, I don't care if Jesus, if you say Jesus is still alive or not, I'm not going to believe it till I stick my hand in his side and, and see the wounds and, and whatever. Um, the cool thing about that as a side note is I was okay with Christ. <laughs> he was like, I'm going to meet you there. And uh, okay, uh, doubting Hank, I'm going to show you my wounds. And, and it's okay for you to think that way. Um, the, the flip side of that is I'm, I'm reminded when Jesus and his disciples went back to, were thinking about going back to Bethany to deal with the Lazarus situation. And it was Thomas that realized that if they walked back into Bethany, they were all probably going to die. Uh, they, they left Bethany before that uh, because Jesus was telling everybody that, that he's the Christ and, and so are they, and uh, that he was God and so are they. So they picked up stones. They were going to kill him. Um, and then now... Uh, Lazarus is, is sick and dying or dead or whatever. And, and they're going back in there. And it was Thomas that said, ah, all right, let's go back and die with Jesus, you know? Um, and, and that's kind of my two sides of who I am. I need proof, but I'm, I'm ready to, to, to die for, for whatever the truth is. Right. Yeah. Um, and uh, there was no fear in Thomas when he told the disciples, let's go back with Jesus. So for me, I'm reminded of, you know, if Thomas, Thomas's fear was taken away because he was walking into a situation where he could die and he had no fear because Christ was standing right next to him. How much less fear should I have when Christ is inside of me? When I, when I deal with, with situations like that. Um, so the presence of, of Christ, um, the, the risen presence of, of Christ that rises inside of us, uh, for me, it, it's like, okay, let's, let's, go, let's go die. You know, there, there, there is no fear. Um, when, when Jesus was, was resurrecting Lazarus, he, he told the disciples, he said, whoever believes in me and lives will never die. So, La uh, Lazarus didn't have to do anything to be resurrected, but he did have to live. He was made alive. Now, now what? Now you have to live. Okay. Well, in that, in that living, the th Lazarus represents something that, that died. And when it was resurrected, it was still Lazarus. It was a better version of Lazarus. It was, it was whatever died came back to life and glorified. And if you let that new glorified thing live inside of you, you will never die. Um, and that's the, the promise of, of Jesus, I believe, in, in the resurrection in, in, in my own life. As I choose to live, as I choose to walk out the tomb, as I choose to let the thing that died enter into that new resurrected transmuted life, um, whatever died before will never die again. And, um, and whatever is new will be there forever. And for me, 
it's like, why, where is the fear in that? There is none. Um, mm. When we really operate in that, you can walk into any situation. There's no fear of death because the death is going to be transmuted and brought into life. And if you let it live, it's going to live forever. And you never have to deal with that shit again. Um, mm. it, it is just something new that has been uh, resurrected in, in your life. And that new power that, that comes from that uh, is rooted in a place without fear. So that's yeah. kind of my two cents on that. Thank you for that. Yes. Yeah. Go ahead, Christine. Uh, holy crap. <clears throat> I don't know if I can. Um... How are you feeling? Wow. Uh... <clears throat> Give me a minute, okay? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's gonna, just take your, take your time and, and come back through whenever, whenever you can just pray. Those are whatever kind of tears those are. Those are, those are welcome. They're welcome tears. Look forward to hearing from you. Yeah, man. Hank, as you were just saying that about the fear that it was so beautiful that, that it does, it really does that perfect love, really that risen love. We could probably say it that way. I like that in the, the lens of resurrection, that rising love casts out all fear, that risen love. I was thinking about um, the two, you, you were talking about the tomb and all of a sudden I got a picture of how many different tombs we have in our life, how many different tombs we have to walk out of how many different sets of grave clothes that we have to be willing to walk out of. And then I just now was thinking that that resurrection love um, is what compels us to move out of the tomb, right? Because I think oftentimes we stay there because it's comfortable in one way or another. And that resurrection love and that, that perfect love that casts away fear is what compels us to walk out of the darkness into the light, you know, being translated from that darkness into the light and being forever changed from that thing. And then knowing that there's hope in the next, in the next tomb, we can do it maybe a little easier the next time, you know, or not. I mean, it's just, it's not a one time. There's not one time. It's not just one time. It's, it's over and over and over again. I'm thinking about that word translated, that we were translated out of darkness into his marvelous. I love that, yeah. That we were translated out of this whole way of doing things and mm -hmm. all the way into a new new system, a new operating system of doing things, translated out of the darkness into his marvelous light. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Christine, you ready to circle back through? Okay. <clears throat> well, <clears throat> I'm not a crier, so that hit me. Uh, out of the, out of nowhere. Um, <clears throat> so, dang, Hank, why'd you have to go and do that? <laughs> um, I love you, sweetheart. I love you too. <laughs> um, so for months, I have been having this dream. Um, and I didn't quite understand it, but I would wake up and um, doubting Thomas, I would have um, like 
why in the world am I, there's no visual, it's just the words doubting Thomas. And I'm like, that's just silly, right? So I just put it, tuck it away. And then, um, you know, I hear dying to self and I hear fear and I hear all these things. And then Sunday was absolutely amazing and beautiful and how we're rising with Christ. And um, Sunday evening, I got information laid in my lap that just completely devastated me. And so since, since then, I have been physically uh, ill. Like, I've been in bed physically ill. And um, so as I'm listening to you guys and then I'm listening to Hank, it's like, I, he says doubting Thomas and I, I had to sit down. I was, uh, at Noah has an appointment this morning and I had to pull myself by the bootstraps and get out of bed. And I was getting him ready and I had to sit down because I got shaky and I was like, Oh, I think this is for me. And, um, Then it's like, it just, it's like, okay, you died. You're, you're dead. All that's dead. All that stuff is dead. Now it's time. It's time to rise. It's time to rise. And no one knows my whole story. And it's so difficult. Um, And I'm crying, not, not sad tears, but happy tears of, thank you, Jesus, that I have, I have that. I have, I have a community and a family and of believers that I know are, are going to come up beside me and just... I can't even look at you guys on the screen right now because just thank you for reminding me that um, there is beauty in the ashes and that Jesus is alive and he did rise and he does rise every single day and he does prepare a way for us and that, um, you know, there may be, there may be darkness, but there's always, always beauty in the morning. And he has risen definitely again this morning. And um, I'm okay, buddy. I'm okay. Mommy's okay. Mommy's okay. Thank you for the hugs. Um, <clears throat> um, I, I don't even know if I'm making any sense, but you're making sense, Christine. You're you're making a lot of sense. And I think in moments like that, anybody who has ears to hear and eyes to see can kind of get it. We get what's going on with you. That happens to each one of us every now and again and a lot more these days, I think, where tears are the primary communication tool. And I'm always the strong one. And um, 
something really broke in me, said they. And I realized that I'm not. And, um, I want to correct so, that. Just uh, I want to say something just a little bit to you there. You're, you're actually stronger today because you allowed yourself to be broken open. You, you still are, you still are the strong one and you're stronger because you're, you actually tapped into a strength that's not your own. It's a, it's God's strength. And we can see it and feel it. We can feel the difference. Whatever whatever the information was that you received on Sunday, that's one thing. But what it did for you is allowed you to tap in and to break open into a different realm. And those tears are precious. Go ahead, Eve. Yeah, I just really want to um, back up what Bonnie's saying there, Christine. Um, that is beautiful your tears are beautiful and they are really vulnerable vulnerability is strength and um this this is resurrection happening right in front of us this you know when you're talking about what does it mean to you you just you just showed us <laughs> um that's all i wanted to say right now yeah <laughs> yeah it well, isn't that interesting, Bob, that it's happening and it did it just again to us without us. Uh, we we read what we thought we were reading and there were two thes in there, Bob. It was just right. Um, it's uh, the gospel's always on us. It's always within us and and if we avail ourselves to it and invite ourselves to what's already within us, it breaks open right over us and within us, and we barely even know what happened. And that's what's happened with us. This community, this group has just connected in a way that uh, I know I'm going to carry with me. I know that I, I feel more spacious on the inside, more, more interested um, in living, more available to it. I want, uh, before we turn the recording off, I just want to pray over everybody. I want to pray for you and just send a blessing to you that the the Lord, the Christ, would continue to, to show, show God's self, that your eyes would continue to see, that you would continue to be available to the knowing and to the meeting, that you would continue to live, live as that, live into that with no fear. For this perfect rising love casts out all fear from you. Whatever news or information you will encounter today or have encountered in recent days pales in comparison to the risen love that is within you. I pray that you know it. I pray that you experience it. That the information would get into your muscle and into your bones. And that it would fortify you in a way that would eradicate and communicate 
the very love and health and shalom of Jesus. I pray shalom on you. That full peace and that full wholeness of being integrated in Christ. Amen.